one coach told me a long time ago is like he's like greatness is a lot of small things done well over a long period of time and that's all the great athletes you'll ever meet they do a lot of little things well and they do it for a long period of time and it adds up to something great Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the How Do You Feel podcast. I enjoyed last week's episode so much that I thought we might as well stick with the professional athlete theme. And this week on the podcast, I sat down and had a conversation with Nate Ajay. Nate has been a player in the Canadian Football League since he was drafted in 2013, and he kind of split his time in the CFL between Edmonton and Toronto. He has most recently played for the Toronto Argos, but the CFL 2020 season was unfortunately canceled due to COVID. So Nate has been putting his time into his podcast called the All Ball Podcast, in which he talks with other athletes about their stories, their journeys, and their perspectives. And most recently, he got a new gig as an NFL analyst on Sportsnet. So he's been diving into and learning all about that. He's also been using his time as a coach for All Day Athlete, which is All Day Fit's athletic training program, which was launched brand new this year. And I know that he has been such an awesome addition to that team. Nate and I go in lots of different directions in this conversation, but Some of my favorite parts of this conversation were about learning to take accountability and responsibility for every single one of your actions, as well as the outcomes in your life. And Nate gave us his perspective on that based on his experience with football. We also talked about gender equality and the problems that our society is still facing when it comes to the gender gap, and the wage gap. And Nate has been learning about and really diving into that because he has two young daughters and he thinks about the world that they are going to grow up in. Okay, I don't want to give away too much because it's really better to hear it all from Nate. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Nate Ajay. Hi, Nate. Welcome to the How Do You Feel podcast. Thanks so much for coming on today. No problem. And uh, thanks for inviting me. And for the record, I feel great. <laughs> I didn't even get to ask the question yet. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> it's, the how do you, it's the how do you feel podcast. So I just get it out there that uh, I actually feel great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, since it is the how do you feel podcast, I love to start off with a how do you feel question, but I'm going to get a little more specific on you. How do you feel about the cancellation of your 2020 football season? Oh, it was a tough one. Like everybody in this sport, most guys, you know, we've been playing this sport since we were kids. To have a year where there's no football, it's just bizarre because we never had any experience to get us ready for this moment. And just like a lot of people in a lot of different businesses, uh, things were ended abruptly. You know, throughout the process, I kind of, you know, had a feeling it would happen just because you've seen the cancellations all across, you know, the country and in the States. You know, and in doing my podcast, I've gotten to talk to a couple of insiders who had 
uh, inside info on you know what they thought was going to happen. So I kind of I kind of expected it because I was getting inside info on you know all the proceedings, but it was still still didn't make it any easier to uh, swallow. Being an athlete is not you know obviously you do it in season, but it's also an off season thing too, where it's you know it becomes a whole year becomes your whole livelihood obviously, and you know it becomes kind of who you are. So to have that taken away, it's probably been uh, the toughest thing I've I've had to go through just because it is, it does become who you are after, you know, about seven years in, in the league and playing, you know, since you're a kid. Yeah, 100%. I never really thought about it that way. Like you haven't had a full year without football, probably since you were like four, you know? <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. it's tough, you know? Yeah. As you know, my husband's also um, an athlete. He plays soccer. And so I definitely understand how, like it's a structure right around what's to structure your life, whether he's in season or out of season, or even like the structure of his weeks, he knows what to do four days before a game, what to do three days before a game. And we know what his off day is and it's just so structured and yeah. that got completely erased for you. I'm sure that yeah. that was, that was so crazy. A hundred percent. And uh, like you said, you know, your husband is an athlete as well. And you, you probably know we're routine oriented people and that's how it's always been. And when something like this happens, your routine gets thrown out the window. So, you know, guys having to scramble and find other things to do, find other passions. And for the lucky ones, you know, we're able to jump into it quickly, you know, but other guys, you know, it's, it's life and it's, you know, everybody has their ups and downs and COVID has been a big, big, big test. Yeah, absolutely. So how have you been using all of this extra time? What have you been up to? Uh, a lot, honestly. Uh, you know, I took it as I was going to say, OK, I have to like everything else. You have to come out of this better, better off than you were before. So you never want to have a time, a period of time where you're not playing your sport. But if so, something happens and it is playing sports at some point is going to end for everyone. So I was I was like, OK, let me start on my post playing career. Let me start making steps into what I want to do, find out what I want to do after I'm done playing. And I took it as a silver lining because, you know, it happened. I got to spend a lot more time. I have two girls. I got to spend a lot more time with them, watch a lot of Disney musicals, um, you know, painting fingernails, painting toenails, learning dances, doing TikTok videos, all of the above. So I got that time with them that I hadn't had before because, you know, football, it just takes over your life, you know, whether it's training or training camp or practices or games, you miss a lot of time with the family. So I was able to get you know, a lot of time, almost at some point, it was like, it was almost too much. I'm like counting down the, the clock and like, when does school start again? What month are we on? Month five? How many more months you got? But no, honestly, it was, it was awesome. You know, like I said, I, I've, I've missed a lot of time with them. So, you know, family time was, was big for me. And then when I got drafted in the CFL, I had a few more classes to finish before I was able to graduate from the University of Buffalo. And throughout my CFL career, I've always like wanted to go back and do classes, but they never lined up with when we were off for football. So, and the classes I needed was never online. But this year, because of COVID, they actually made the classes I needed online. So I'm actually enrolled right now and uh, completing my degree. So that's a, a big step for me. Also, I'm doing NFL analyst work with Sportsnet you know, this year. And it's, it, that's a huge step because I want to get into media. And that's the whole reason why I started my own podcast. So mm -hmm. one of the producers from Sportsnet had heard my podcast and he thought I'd be a great addition to the team. So that was fantastic for me because I started the podcast. I never expected anything like so soon to come out of it. Obviously, I wanted something after I was done playing. But, you know, to have this opportunity with me not having a season and 
to be able to fully watch NFL games and you know share my opinions on it is is truly a blessing. So those three things have been uh, you know fantastic. And the fourth thing, obviously, doing my podcast weekly, as you know, you get to learn people's story on a, on a different level when you're having them on your show. Yeah, you know, it's just a, a different passion into like you know you plan the show and then you put it together, you put your questions together, and that's sort of like a game day in itself where. You know, we have a week to prepare. Then you have the interview, which is the game day. And then after the game, you, you know, you listen and you share with your, your audience. And, you know, that whole experience has kind of been like therapeutic for me because it's kept me close to the teammates and, you know, people in the game and, and, and learning, like I said, learning different stories and seeing a different side of the game, and which, which is what I miss. Because when you play a sport, a big part of the sport is camaraderie. And, you know, finding people from all different walks of life and connecting with them and that's something I've been able to do for my podcast. So those four things, I'm pretty sure I'm missing some others, but has been keeping me pretty busy during this time off. You've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you've really been maximizing your time. And I can tell that you have a positive mindset in order to be able to do that, right? Like you clearly have not been stagnant since the cancellation of the season. Your daughters are young. Remind me how old they are. So my oldest one is four years old. Uh, she turned four uh, in June and my youngest one turned one in August. So four and one through your age gap. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. You probably got really, really good at painting oh. nails and learned like a lot of TikTok dances over the last couple <laughs> months. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they put me through the work. They, they knew I was home and they took it full advantage. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet, though. It's so nice to have that quality family time that we normally don't have in life, right? And especially for an athlete. I was reflecting a little bit on this. Eric and I don't have kids um, at this point in our lives, but I was reflecting on how our relationship evolved over the past year because now he's been traveling a ton. But before that, we had more time together than we have probably ever had in our relationship over a certain period of time. And in that period of time, I think that our beliefs, our understanding of each other, like I can feel the difference in our relationship. We 100% got closer. Do you feel a similar thing with your daughters after the, yes, all of this time? Would, absolutely. And I would say the same thing for my wife. You know, since we had kids, we haven't had the opportunity to spend that much one-on-one -on -one time together because the one-on-one -on -one time we'd have, I'd be training or, you know, doing different things for the sport, traveling, you know, like things of that nature. But, you know, with my kids, but we got, I mean, we were always super close, but we got even closer in doing, I was like their gym teacher. I was like their math teacher. You know, I was everything for them, right? And, um, you know, naturally you're going to get close, you know, doing all those things. But for my wife as well, we were able to watch movies because I didn't have to get up early to train or binge watch shows and, and do things of that nature, watch sports together, things that we hadn't done uh, since before we had kids. So that was really nice uh, in that way. And then like any other couple, when you see each other too much, you know, there's sometimes you, you know, you start getting on each other's nerves, but you know, I enjoy that too, because you know, no one is perfect and you know, you have to, you know, kind of go through those things. But I, the time was fantastic. I, I, um, it, it was a huge silver lining. Obviously no one wants to be, you know, have this COVID uh, situation, you know, ravaged the country, but took a so huge silver lining out of it because you know the family time was huge and it's something I probably would have never got until I retired right and, and like you said like I always trying to look at the positive side of everything and um, I'm not saying I say COVID is positive but the fact that it happened and I was able to you know turn it around and in my mind think 
how do I make the best out of this? So I, I definitely family time and, you know, getting closer to my family was uh, a big positive that came out of this whole situation. Yeah. And I don't think having a positive mindset about something and choosing to see the good dismisses the gravity of what some people have been through who have had, you know, themselves or family or friends affected by COVID and the economy and what's happened and all of this stuff. Right. But I still think there's a lot of power in choosing to see the good and the positive that have come out of this crazy year, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I want to know, why did you choose football? Was football like kind of always the thing that you wanted to do? Or did that just kind of like fall into place later? Like what was your journey towards becoming a CFL player? Yeah, that's a great question. But, you know, I started out as a you know, young kid, everybody plays soccer. And for me, my, my dad is, you know, we're from Ghana, right? So soccer is a big part of, you know, our culture. You know, growing up every single Saturday, my dad, his favorite team was Liverpool. We'd be watching, it's still my, it's my favorite team now, but we'd watch them religiously every single Saturday. He'd uh, VHS record every single game. And throughout the week, he'd be breaking it down like he was a coach or something. And uh, no, way. You know, <laughs> no, seriously, he, he, he like sit me down. He's like, see what they're doing here. This is good. This is bad. I'm like, oh man, I don't want to, I don't care. I just want to play video games. Like, why are we doing this? So, you know, it was, it was funny, but, you know, it grew the love of the game in me. You know, it, it made me want to be great at the sport. I was really good at a young age, you know, athletic and had the drive for the game. Like, one thing about me, any sport I try or try to do, I'm always going to try to be, you know, one of the best. And, you know, I, got, I get that from my dad. He really pushed me in, in playing soccer. And I played a lot of soccer. I feel like I played too much because – you know, playing soccer a lot, and I started to get interested in other sports while at soccer practice, you know, seeing other fields, watching baseball practice go on, watching football go on. And this is about uh, nine, ten years old where, you know, I'm starting to see basketball. You know, my dad, because my dad would watch all the sports and always I would have questions about each sport. But football, you know, he's a big football fan. But when I asked to play football, he's like, no, it's too dangerous. You know, funny story, there are times during for my professional career where I'm like, dad, I call my dad, like, dad, my body is hurt right now. You're right. This sport is too dangerous. I don't know why you let me play this sport. <laughs> uh, no, so I begged them to play football. For my best friends at the time were all football players. One of my best friends still to this day, his dad was a coach, and he had three other brothers where, you know, I'd spend a lot of time with them, and, you know, we'd be hanging out playing video games, and then there'll be time to go to football practice because the dad's the coach, and, you know, I got to go home. And I'm like, dad, I want to hang out with my friends. You know, like, I don't want to go home every time they're going to football practice. I wrote my dad a letter. I'm like, dad, you know, I'm, I'm faster than all the kids. You know, I won't get hurt if they can't tackle me. And he still said no for another uh, couple of years. But he, when he finally let me play, you know, it was everything I, I hoped it was. The love for the game grew even more. You know, and as I got older, you know, my dad would see me, like, wake up early to, to run sprints. And, and then he was like, I knew, I know you love this game, so continue to do what you're doing because you know when you know your kid is you know that invested in something you want to do everything you can to you know foster that so he'd take me to camps and take me to speed camp to get faster and you know all these different things because he saw that I had the love for the game so I don't know where it came from I just know my best friends were you know love I didn't have any brothers so they're kind of like my brothers and um just the love grew from there I love that rationale of Dad, if I'm faster than everyone, they can't tackle me. That's amazing. That's like, that's like such a kid just trying to get his way, right? And even in a letter, like, 
Amazing. (laughs) I love that. Is there something about football that's more special to you than the other sports? Like what was it about football that made you be like, yeah, I'm going to get up every morning. I want to go to these camps. I am all in. That's a great question. I always think about that. I'm like, why football? Because I love basketball. I love Michael Jordan. I love basketball. But I think at a certain point when I'm doing the math in my head and, you know, I'm thinking about things, I'm like, you know, there's 53 guys on a football roster. There's only 12 in basketball. Uh, there's only, you know, 11 that start in soccer. I'm like, I'm doing the math. I'm like, okay, if there's 53, like, I want to make a professional. I'm doing the math. I have a better chance to, you know, play football, you know, professionally. So let me go ahead and, and go as far as I can with this because the, the chances of me making a pro are higher than all the other sports. You know, I'm thinking about my position wide receiver, you know, on the field at one time, there's, you know, three or four guys on the field at one time. So my potential for starting, uh, you know, is higher than, you know, any other sport. So as early as maybe sixth, seventh grade, I'm like thinking, you know, I can play, I should play football. And also I was playing basketball at the time. My mom made a point to tell me, hey, you're probably not going to be six foot six. So <laughs> in, in the nicest way possible, your dad is, you know, five, nine, you know, there's, it's probably, you're probably not going to be, you know, tall enough to be a basketball player. And I was like, okay, I did the math. Okay, take out basketball. I still played, but I didn't take it as serious. And in high school, I played every sport every year, baseball, basketball, football. But then my last year, I, you know, solely focused on football because I wanted to take it as far as I could. But, you know, to your question, I have no idea why that sport stuck out, but I think that's probably the reason why, because I thought I could make it professional just doing the math in my head. I love that. A numbers game. Yeah, just ran the numbers. So it's probably a combination of that and also it playing to your strengths in some way, it sounds like, right? In a way that maybe basketball didn't, for example. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like you said, yeah, it was playing to my strength. I was good at a, at a young age. I understood mm-hmm. the game. I watched a lot of the game and, you know, it just, it made sense and it, 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 it like fit with who I was. Yeah, cool. Makes total sense. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about your training. So talking about kind of training more in the gym, not necessarily on the field. What would a favorite or ideal workout look like for you? Mm, Obviously, it had to be lower body. You know, the saying goes, the legs feed the wolf, right? So in sports, you know, the best athletes always have, you know, a good base, a, low, a good lower body, because that's where your speed, your strength, your balance, it all comes from. So for me, it would have to be a lower body base, some sort of squats, deadlifts, single-legged Bulgarian split squats, something like that, where I'm working with a lot of depth. I'm working from, you know, uh, it, sometimes with box squats, a static position where I have to explode. Any of those exercises where you're using, you have to use explosive power to get the job done. Those have always been my favorite. You know, you, you're able to stack weight on them and that's really tests, you know, how bad you want it in those moments when you're deep in the squad and, you know, you're thinking, man, like I got to get out of this or one, I'm going to die or two, I'm going to be, uh, I'm not going to be as fast as I want to be. So those are always, you know, some of my favorites. It's been a while since I've been in, you know, everyday kind of gym where people are just working out for, you know, lifestyle more. And you're seeing guys use the, the, the squat rack to do uh, like arm curls. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And like, you'll see guys, you know, and in there, and I'm like thinking like, you know, some dudes never work legs. And I'm like, okay, it makes sense because you guys are working out you know, for show. But when you watch like, you know, you play D1 sports or you watch the you know, athletes train, the first thing they're doing is something for the lower body because that's, those are the money makers, right? And, you know, rarely are you seeing guys, you know, doing, 
traps or you know curls unless it's injury injury thing. So for me, it would be definitely lower body based and anything you know where I can work on my explosive power. Yeah, I'm all for. That makes total sense. That's your base of power, and power is so important in a sport like football where you gotta get off the line fast. That makes total sense. How long would the workout be normally? Usually when I'm training, true off-season where it's winter and you can't be outside or you can't be running yet, you know, it'd be warm-up, would be probably like 30 minutes. The actual workout would probably be an hour and a half and then that cool-down stretch would be another 30 minutes. So that'd take me to, what, over two hours, two and a half hours uh, in the gym. But when you combine, you know, usually you like to get a sprint day in, a sprint days in, then combine both of them. So you're doing two days. You know, the running workout, obviously warm-up is probably like 30 to 45 minutes. The actual running, probably like 30 minutes. And then, you know, obviously cool down and, and stretch would probably be another 30 minutes. So so two hours, it looks like it's over two hours on the field and then over two hours in, in, in the gym. And that's almost like a nine to five right there. So football season would probably look like something like, you know, wake up in the morning, go to the field. So from 9 a.m. to about 11.30 you know, get your running workout in. And then um, once you're done that, have some lunch and then straight to the gym by one o'clock, be working out by 3.30, be at the gym, drive home by the time you're home by four o'clock, 4.30, then have dinner with the family. So that's kind of what a normal off-season day looks like. Yeah, that's no joke. That's a lot of time. That's definitely a lot of time (laughs) once you break everything down and a nice long warm-up for everything too, which... Oh, yeah obviously is so important when you're doing that intense of stuff, but also something that people love to kind of just throw away sometimes, you know, they don't like to spend the time. Absolutely. And, you know, you learn when, you know, you're using your body, your body is like your livelihood. You have to warm it up properly. Like I always like this analogy, like when you go, a lot of people do this, but in the winter time, when you go in your car, you just start it and drive away. No, you let it sit there. You let it warm up. And, you know, your body is very similar, especially when, you know, you're dealing with your sports car. You got to let that thing warm up or you have injuries and it's going to put you out for a long time. And if you're out, you can't be playing your sport. You can't be making money from your sport. And, you know, it just leads to things you don't want. So just get that warm up in and uh, everything will be good. <laughs> yeah, 100%. When your body is your livelihood, you can't afford to sacrifice that warm up time and also, you know, the recovery because you got to be ready and your body has to be ready and recovered to go do it all again the next day. I want to know why you like to emphasize doing breath work before a training session. That's something that you do personally, right? Yeah, 100%. And a little bit of breath work before, but where it's really key is after, because, you know, once uh, you've trained and, you know, your, your pistons are firing, you want to have that cool down period where, you know, you can start the recovery process with your body because you don't want to just run, get work up a sweat, you know, be full of energy, jump in your car and, and, and go wherever you need to go. Right. You want your body to know that, you know, training is over, you know, have that period where, you know, your body knows, okay, I'm done training. Now it's time to start recovering. If you do the opposite way where, you know, you have a hard training session and you just jump in your car, your body doesn't know what's going on. It's it's kind of confusing. You know, you miss out on valuable time where your body could be recovering. So once you do breath work, a minimum of three minutes, you know, eyes closed, deep breath, you know, recovering, your body understands that, okay, training is now over. Now it's time for me to get the recovery process started. And, you know, when you're a professional athlete or even just anybody, you want to, you want, you know, to your body to be performing at the highest level 
And uh, recovery is probably some of the biggest things you can do. And anytime you can steal for yourself to get your body ready for the next workout is, is super valuable. So that's why breath work is, is really important. Yeah, I love that that's something that you emphasize and it makes total sense afterwards because I think taking that time and that pause and taking a couple of breaths and just calming your nervous system down, it switches you into a parasympathetic state instead of the sympathetic state and it allows you to start recovering, right? Yes. It like It's like minimizing the stress that your body is feeling from your workout. A hundred percent. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that's smart. I love it. What is one exercise that you think that everyone could benefit from or like most people could benefit from? Mm, That is a great question. One exercise that I think everybody in the world can benefit from is uh, I think farmer's walks, farmer's walks. For this reason, farmer's walks works your entire body. So if you have one exercise to pick, you have a hard time picking between upper body, lower body, Farmer's walks is great for everyone because you're moving weight through space, right? And the ways to get the strongest is, is moving the weight through space. So monkeys, why are they so strong? Why can they rip your arm off your, you know, your body? But because they're swinging from branch to branch and functionally moving their weight through space. So farmer's walk, if you're carrying weight and walking from uh, one distance to another, you know, you're, you're working on your legs, your feet, um, your hands, you know, your triceps and don't forget your core. Most importantly, you have to stabilize the weight while you're, you're walking from one distance to the next. And then, you know, obviously you have, if you're using dumbbells, you have two evenly weighted dumbbells, right? But then another set, you'll have mismatch where you have, say you have a 30 pounder in one hand and a 10 pounder in one hand. So you got to stabilize yourself because naturally you want to lean one way, but you got to bring yourself back to center and then have just one, right? So all that makes it the best workout for me. And if I had one workout to choose for the rest of my life and I couldn't do anything else, it has to be that because I'm working everything about my feet, my legs, my hands. So you got to grip the bar. And after, you know, probably one or two sets, your hands are crying to stop. So <laughs> I think that would be uh, the one exercise I would choose. I love that answer. You're so on point. It is full body. It teaches you how to properly brace and move heavy shit through space. It's functional. So everyone can benefit from this, right? Because we all, when we're eight years old, want to be able to carry our groceries from Uh our car to our house. Um, Yeah, I think it's awesome. And I think grip strength is something that people neglect, but Mm -hmm. is also so important. Like it, it doesn't matter in life if you're going for function, not for just to look good, it doesn't matter how strong your arm is. If you can't translate that power from your arm to whatever the implement is in life, right? And that comes through your hand. So it doesn't matter how much you can deadlift. If you can't hold the bar, you're not picking it up, right? So I think that, I think it's a really important skill that, that farmer's walks address very, very well. And that offset farmer's walk is also amazing. That's also a great exercise for some people that have low back pain to activate their intrinsic core muscles, those stabilizers that they're just not getting at. The one arm farmer's walk can be awesome for that. Yeah, so I love that answer. Awesome. If you're able to do farmer's walks correctly and, and, and have a program with them, you know, you're going to be looking at 
one or less trips uh, when you carry your groceries. So that's another added benefit uh, <laughs> to farmers watch. No, but like you said, like grip strength, like people don't really think, well, why do I need to work my grip where I can just, you know, carry all this weight, but it's all related. If you can't actually hold that weight in your hands, there's no way you're moving it. So it starts there. And that's why I like it. And also feet work, especially if you do these farmers carries bare feet, that's another added benefit too, because that's, that's how we were made to walk anyway, not in shoes. Hopefully uh, some of your listeners will try it out and uh, thank me for it later. <laughs> <laughs> They'll write their letters of thanks uh, later, or I guess nowadays no one sends letters. They'll send you a DM and say, thanks Nate for the farmer's walks. <laughs> I got you. Do you train barefoot when you strength train? Yes, there I have portions uh, during my exercise where I train barefoot. If I'm doing any type of you know, squats, uh, deadlifts, any single-legged work, I will do it barefoot. I find that since I started doing it, my feet are so much stronger. I have so much more balance. And, and it makes sense because that's how the human body was, you know, was created to walk. And a lot of times we get in these shoes where we have, you know, soles that, you know, take away the contact, the reactive time we have with the ground, you know, we have less power. And when you're an athlete, every little thing matters. If you ask any competitive athlete, you know, is that going to be give me an advantage? You're going to do it. So that for me, I found that there's, there's huge advantages with training barefoot, you know, strengthening your feet. You know, obviously the stronger your feet are, you know, the less injuries you're going to have, the higher you're going to jump, the faster you're going to run, the more agile you're going to be. So it, it's a no brainer for me to train barefoot. I walk, try to walk around as much as I can bare feet. Minimum 10 minutes a day uh, will make a big difference. So for sure, for me, that's, it's anything to get better, I will, I will do. Definitely. Yeah. Those small little things, you think they're small, but if you do them consistently, they add up over time and they make a difference. And before you know it, you're doing a bunch of small little things really well and you start to see the performance benefits 100%. One thing one coach told me a long time ago is like, that greatness is a lot of small things done well over a long period of time. And that's all the great athletes you'll ever meet. They do a lot of little things well, and they do it for a long period of time, and it adds up to something great. So it isn't by accident. When you see these, uh, you know, overnight success, it's not overnight. It's guys, people doing little things well over a long period of time, and it's not get rich quick screens or, or you know, these secret workouts. No, just doing the fundamental basic things small things well over a long period of time. And that's, that's what greatness is. So, yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome quote. It's crazy because looking from the outside, sometimes it seems like it's an overnight success. I don't know why we subscribe to that so much. It just, Oh, all of a sudden, you know, they, they were so good or they had all these performance benefits or they got rich, but of course it's years and years and years of putting in the work to set yourself up to be ready for that success, right? To be there to receive that success. So yeah, I think it's a, it's such an important concept and we live in an era where we want instant gratification. <laughs> and uh, I think it's really important to understand that that's, that's not how true success works. And if it does come that quickly, just the best believe it's gonna leave just as fast. So yeah, no, I, I believe that, you know, the people that you know, have been put in work for a long period of time, you just don't see the work that they're putting in but they're put in that work or they would never be in that position. Oftentimes we only see people at the height of their careers because that's when they get glorified. But to be even be in that position, they've been putting in years and years of work. We just, no one has just ever seen it. That's something I subscribe to. Mm -hmm. I think when we're also uneducated about people's journeys, like we just don't know where they came from. It's very easy to think that 
they were awarded some kind of privilege that we weren't, or they just got lucky how we couldn't. But in reality, like some of the most successful people in the world, some of the richest CEOs and, you know, of the, of the most successful companies in the world, they didn't come from anything special. Their background's not special. It's not that. It's just that they put a process in from early on and they committed to that process over years and years and years. And now we see them as these heads or these leaders in our society. But in the beginning, there was nothing different between them and us. Yeah, to add to that, that's that's a really great point that you made. I feel like, and this might be a personal opinion, I feel like that is people's way to kind of rationalize why other people have things that they don't. Instead of saying or thinking that, hey, this person just worked harder than me, you're going to think just to make yourself feel better, you're going to be like, oh, they had different opportunities that I had, or they had genes that I didn't have, or they had rich parents that I didn't have. But in actuality, the people that have made it the furthest in this country really came from nothing. You look at, you know, prime example, Michael Jordan, his family wasn't well off, but honestly, he put in like an an incredible amount of work. Obviously he's six foot six, so he's got, he's tall, right? But there are other six foot six people that aren't in the NBA, right? So, um, but then you look at his kids, his kids are incredibly wealthy. They obviously don't have the same drive to, you know, be what he is. So I think for me, when I look at it, I'm like, I would never sit there and say, oh, that person's rich because they had this benefit or that benefit. I'm going to think he worked his butt off mm-hmm. to get to where he's at. And he obviously, like you said, like had a process in place to take advantage of whatever he wanted to do. And that sometimes gets lost in, in society today where we always want to think somebody has an advantage that we didn't have. And I don't think that's the case. I think there are people, there's some people that get lucky, right? But at a certain point, like, you know, you'll have these lottery winners that get lucky and then they'll lose it all. So if you don't have a process in place to get to where you're at, eventually it's going to get found out and you're going to not going to be sustainable. People are where they're at because, you know, they put in the work and I'd rather believe that because I know that I have to put in work myself to get to where I want to get to. I don't want to think, oh, it's impossible because there was something else, another factor that got in the way. Yeah. And I think people that are where they are for some sort of more artificial reason, like they were awarded family money or they inherited something or like they won the lottery or something random. I think those people are the ones that, like you're saying, also are more likely to lose it, but they they don't have the same impact. Those are not the people that are making waves in our world. When we look up to the people that you know, have these ideas or changing the game like Michael Jordan did or, you know, Jeff Bezos of, of Amazon or, or whatever. Like those are the people that are changing our world. And those are more likely the people that didn't just happen upon these opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they become inspiring stories. Think about um, people that, you know, came from nothing. That is like the North American dream, right? Coming from nothing, working your way up and now you're super successful. We look at those people as sources of inspiration more than you would look at, you know, somebody that just got a huge inheritance and that, you know what I mean? Because it's not as impactful, like you were saying. Yeah. I'm reading The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And in it, there is a concept about taking 100% of the responsibility for everything that happens to you in your life. People love to reflect to other external circumstances. They say, oh, well, I was late because there was traffic. What if instead we said, I was late because I didn't leave early enough. 
learn from it, take the responsibility on yourself, like stop blaming everyone else and the world and your environment for what's happening to you. And I think getting in that mindset makes you look differently at the people that are successful. So that's, that's my goal is to start taking 100% responsibility for every relationship, for every challenge, for every misstep, like everything, I'll be accountable for it. I couldn't agree more with that, with that mindset. And you know, this is one thing I, I really thank football for because I had some terrific coaches in, in my life and, you know, they, they teach you always, like, you have to take accountability for every single thing that happens on this field and you will be held accountable. And when you start to hold yourself accountable for everything that happens to you, it, like you said, you see the world a completely different way and you're a much better person for it. If, if we all have people that we know that are always blaming other things for uh, like you said, why they're late. Oh man, like I ran into traffic. But if they had looked internally, the excuses wouldn't be flowing like they are. And, and I think that's a great mindset to have. And, you know, for me, you know, they say birds of a feather flock together. So a lot of my, the people that I hang out with or friends are like-minded people where, you know, they are sort of leaders or people that, you know, don't play victim to certain things. And I uh, and have that positive mindset. And I'm, I love that mindset, you know, personally, because I've, I've always uh, done that for myself just because of football. You know, they don't give you an opportunity to blame other things. Like, why did you miss that block? You can't say, oh, I was thinking about this or I was thinking about that. They're going to say, you know, they're going to get on you and hold you accountable. It's like, you know, your technique was bad. So I subscribe to that 100%. I love that. Yeah, me too. Thinking about mindset and perspective, did becoming a dad change your mindset in any big and impactful ways? Absolutely. Um, I became more, not that I was selfish before, but I was always thinking about uh, how I could be better at my sport or to get to a certain level, you have to be focused on yourself a lot. And, you know, after you have kids, like your focus isn't you anymore. It's, it's the bigger picture. It's, it's your child and, you know, their needs and you know what's going to be best for them. So now, um, you know, after becoming a dad, I'm making decisions that don't just affect me, right? So most of the time, the decision I make is what's the greater good of everyone. Um, so I think that's the, the biggest impact I've had. And also becoming a dad to girls, I've, uh, you know, started looking at more social issues with that pertain to, to women, especially women of color, uh, having two uh, black daughters. And I've been reading about and thinking about a lot. It's opened my eyes, you know, before I had kids or even, you know, two daughters, I wasn't thinking about, you know, the most important, especially, you know, the world we grew up in. It's like, I'm in the football locker room. You're learning that, you know, it's, it's such a male-dominated world. And, you know, after having, you know, my wife obviously has educated me a lot, but my, my daughters have been like, to me, there's a lot of change that still needs to be made. You know, as I was reading a lot about wage gap stuff in, you know, the 60s and 70s, and it was just, it made me sick. And I'm happy, you know, we've made strides, especially as a society, to, close the gap of uh, men and women, you know, it makes me sad sometimes because I'll talk to my wife about it. And, you know, she'll tell me, you know, about the tech world where, you know, she'll know people that are equal talent wise or knowledge wise, but the man will always make more than the than woman. And, you know, that's the way it's been for a while. And, you know, I think the only way that can change is having men speak up. And um, that's something that I've, I'm looking at right now. And, you know, any kind, any way I can lend my voice to that, I think it's it's important because you can't have the people that are oppressed be the people trying to make the change because it won't work. It's obviously affecting them, but if you have the opposite side of the spectrum speak up and show interest in that and 
it would be men speaking up and I think that's the only way things will change and I think it's going in a positive direction uh, right now but there's still a lot a long way to go and I think our generation can be that change because you're having more uh, more and more men and you see even athletes like LeBron James speak of about stuff going on with women and try to even in that gap so that's uh, that's um, a long-winded answer but that's something that you know having kids and especially having girls and you know open my eyes to even even watching sports I watch sports differently like I'm watching like the WNBA I'm watching women's soccer and I'm like these girls are so good but they never they don't get the love the same love that the men get and it's uh it's such a shame but I it's really opened my eyes since I had uh two girls and you know you as a as, as a man you know it's there but it's just you're not really focused on it right until it hits you in the face and uh, I know I have two daughters that are going to grow up and be in this world and how do I make the world a better place for them so it's really changed my life you know a lot <laughs> I think it's really challenging to give the proper care to someone until it starts to hit close to home I think that's very normal which is why it's important that we, you know, get to know people of all different backgrounds and all different cultures and all of all of these things, right? People that come from many different places, because until we see the person, know the person, are raising the person, I think that it's very normal just just to be kind of in our own zone and in our own mindset and navigating the world in our way. I also think that our society very much places more value on qualities that we think of as more male-like qualities. Dominance and power and being very like self-assured and being maybe a little bit more abrasive, I think we even place value on. So I wonder with this wage gap thing, I feel like in many situations, it's probably not super conscious of, you know, we're just simply gonna pay the male more. I think we just place value on what men bring to the table naturally more than what women bring to the table. I mean, we need to start to think, especially in business and in leadership, about more subdued qualities of compassion and empathy yeah. and being able to reason with someone and, and having that more sort of emotional side that we tend to think of as feminine. I think we need to yeah. start valuing that in business more. And I think that's where the change will come from. I agree with you. And, you know, you look at, you, you see a man and you see the qualities of a man, you say, oh, he's a leader. Or you see a man being um, assertive or, you know, telling others what to do. And you look at that and it's positive. But when you see a woman doing the same thing, oh, she's bossy. Like, why is that? And that's some of the reasons why, um, you know, the wage gap has existed is because the qualities that we look for in men, if women have the same qualities, we tell them, oh, they shouldn't have that. Or, you know, they should be different. And, that's the huge problem. And we need to start looking at, you know, ways to value better qualities that women have that, you know, men, you know, just don't have, like you said, compassion, that goes a long way in business. But if we can start to value uh, those kind of qualities, I think it, it will, it will lessen the gap. But like I said, like, it's going to take a lot more men to look at them, look at themselves in the mirror, because, you know, women have been crying out for years, like even with the Black Lives Matter issues, like black people have been crying out for years, but black people aren't the ones that are gonna be able to make the change. It's gonna take other people, the white people, to kind of understand the issues and understand and say that, hey, this is a world problem, right? And this is a world issue. And the same thing with the, the issues with men and women. It's like, it's gotta be a world issue. People have to look at it that, not just a woman's issue, right? You gotta look at it as, this is, this is 
a man's issue because me, I have daughters. So this is my issue now, right? I have a wife. This is my issue. I have a sister. This is my issue. So mm-hmm. if more men can look at it like that, I think we'll continue to make positive change. Yeah, definitely. We need to start getting into the mindset, this idea that equality benefits everyone because we stand to just like all collectively get better from it. This, this inequality, no matter whether we're talking about gender or race or whatever it might be, it just holds our society, our, the collective society back. And, uh, and I think that, I think it's definitely time to, to start moving away from that and to start getting out of this silly, like selfish mindset and understand that we will all be better for it if we can start to squander some of these things. 100%, 100%. Like you said, if we look at it as a world issue and it's everybody's issue, we can uh, we can make some moves, we can make some waves. And I think it's heading in a positive direction. Like I was reading some stuff, it's like where we are now, if you would have went back in 1950 and, and, and told yourself, hey man, in, in 2020, like you know, women are gonna be able to do this, do that, you'd, you'd be shocked. So there's been some positive moves made, but mm-hmm. like I said, it won't be great or it won't be good until it's, it's equal, so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, can you tell us a little bit more about your gig on Sportsnet? So of course. Like I said, I so I have this podcast yeah. and I'm doing this podcast talking football, talking all sports. It's called the All Ball Podcast. I'm talking all sports and out of nowhere, uh, I get an email from a producer from Sportsnet saying, Hey, to say, uh, you know, like your podcast so you got some time to chat. And I'm like, Oh, of course they have a sportsnet guy. Okay, cool. Let me call him and he's like, It's hey, I know I really think you have a future in this industry. I would love to have you as our uh, NFL analyst this year on Sportsnet. You know, you'll show up on all our networks coast to coast and, you know, break down the games. Like, only one thing, though, is, like, you got to watch all the games. I'm like, what? I do that anyway. That's what I do anyway. I'm watching all the games, whether they matter or not. So now, you know, I got an opportunity to be on the airwaves and and, and share my my knowledge of, of the game and how I'm seeing it. It's like a, you know, it's almost a dream come true. And then uh, he was saying, you know, we, we see something big in you. We just want to get you reps right now doing this. And then, you know, if I ever see anything, I'll correct you. But I think you, you got a natural feel for it. And, you know, he sees big things. So I was, it was good to hear that from a guy like that because I started the podcast thing. I really didn't have any media training. I, you know, just wanted to do it just to, you know, share stories with my people I've played with or people that I look up to in the game or people I'm fans of. So, I it was doing it with no kind of media background and for somebody in the media industry to, you know, take note of that and to think that I had a, a future and it was was a huge um it was huge for me because I, I didn't expect it, right? So that was that's um uh, something that I'm looking forward to continue doing. So each week I'm on uh, the Sportsnet Airways, I think three different radio stations right now. It would be T V once, you know, COVID restrictions or die down on just a little bit so yeah I'm looking forward to you know the future with them that is so exciting and I've had my podcast for a year and a half and no producers are calling me up to go on tv <laughs> what the heck <laughs> hey we gotta we gotta do something about that you gotta right. do something about that this is uh that's a travesty because you're doing a fantastic job with this <laughs> podcast and um, I'm enjoying being out with you Thanks. I appreciate it. I feel like, uh, I feel like there's something about the way that you talk and share ideas. It's just, it comes from a very authentic place. And I don't think that media, like media training teaches you that part. That's the foundation that you have to have. And now like, you know, like this guy said, you'll get your reps in, you'll get your experience and you'll learn all the stuff, you know, what to say, what not to say, but 
the base of authenticity is there. And I feel like that's for sure the most important piece. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. And honestly, I, I look at it as like, how would I explain the game to my wife? And like, she always asks me questions. It's like, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And I think she's given me like, without knowing it, she's given me a lot of reps because that's all I do now. Like when they ask me questions, I just imagine I'm explaining to my wife uh, because she doesn't, she's not like a big sports head. So like, I'm just coming from that base where, you know, how can I explain it so most people understand? So that's honestly all I'm trying to do is just talk like I'm you know, talking <laughs> to my wife and uh, it's, <laughs> I'm happy somebody likes it. <laughs> that's awesome. So we can really thank Melody for this yeah, gig uh, that you got. Okay, good. <laughs> hey, most things I have, most things I have, I have to thank her for. So <laughs> don't I tell love her it. that though. <laughs> I love it. No, I won't. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, Nate, uh, before we sign off, it's almost been an hour already, but before we sign wow. off, I want to know what is one thing that not many people know about you? That's a tough one. You know, I'm pretty much an open book. A lot of people, okay. Okay. So one thing a lot of people don't know about me is after my first year playing rep football. So this is a higher level, right? So everybody starts out peewee. It's all good. Everybody just learning the game. Right. So this is where, you know, the best pit players from the province of Ontario is called Missaga Warriors. The province of Ontario um, are on this team and you have to try out and make it. And I went to this trial and I'm like, all these dudes are so good at football and had been playing so much longer than I had been playing. And I was like, man, I don't think I have it. I was like really, really down on myself because I had been used to being good and being one of the better athletes. And now I'm at a point where. 13 years old, like, I feel like I'm not good anymore. And everybody's better than me and everybody has more experience than me. And I was really down and out. And the, all, everything I'd always been good at, like being faster than everybody, getting away from everybody, catching the ball better than everybody, it seemed like it was on an even playing field now. And that was such a shock for me. At that point, I was like, this might not be for me. I went home. It was like the first day. After the first day, I was like, I'm not going back. This is not good. And uh, I didn't tell anyone. I was like, because I was going to practice with my uh, my buddy was driving me. And I was just like, hey, man, I don't feel well. Like, I'm not going. And he didn't ask me any questions. I didn't tell my dad that I wasn't going anymore. So, you know, a good amount of time went back. And I was like, you know, I hadn't been playing for a while. And I started talking to myself. The team had already been made. But the coach had called me and said that, you know, I don't know why you're not coming back. I don't know. Is everything okay? Uh, we saw something in you. Uh, we really wish you'd come back. And I was like, really? Like, I wasn't good at all. Like, I was, and I just how I've always been where I'm harder on myself than anyone else can be on me. That really got to me at that point. I'm like 13, 14, and I'm telling myself, like, I'm, I'm never going to make it because, you know, guys that have been playing a little bit longer than me were outplaying me. So I uh, eventually went back. But if that coach probably didn't contact me and tell me to come back and, and give it a try, I probably would not be playing football because I was mentally – I just remember mentally being down and out in that point. I don't know why, what it was. Thinking back now, I'm like, why would I even do that? But it, it doesn't seem like me at all. But, you know, as a 13, 14-year-old, like, things just hit a little differently. And I was ready to quit. And uh, that's one thing people don't know about me because, you know, you always see me as a, a positive guy. So I just kind of got in my own head. And that kind of helped me, too, because, you know, going through that, when you go to the college level, that same experience happens again. I knew how to deal with it. I, you know that things are going to get better. Um, you know, you just got to continue putting the work and, you know, naturally you adjust, you know, like when you're learning to drive on the highway for the first time, it seems so fast and things are moving and you think you could probably never do it. 
but now driving out of the way for years, you know, it's really easy. Like, you know, you go on and you don't think twice, but you think back to the first time, it was like, your head was spinning. That's how that experience was like for me. And, um, you know, it, it taught me a lot because I went through that same experience like three, four more times where you go to college and you go to pro and uh, you think you can't hang and, you, you know, you're ready to quit. But then I always mentally went back to that, you know, first time that it happened to me and I was, uh, you know, better off that happened. But if that coach didn't call me, I feel like I would never, I would have probably went to another sport or tried something else. Could not be playing football right now if I didn't have a coach that saw something in me at a young age that I didn't see in myself. Crazy. Thank goodness that coach <laughs> called you back up. That right. would have been, yeah, <laughs> would have been such a different path. That's fascinating. Well, Dante, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for all of your thoughts. This went in like 10 directions I didn't expect, but I loved every single one of them. So that's always the fun part of this, right? And just getting to, to chat with someone. So thank you very, very much. Um, do you have any final words you want to share with people before we say bye? Uh, I want to say thank you for having me on. This was really fun. I just by the, you know, the original thoughts you had for the show, I knew it was going to be a great show. But uh, you're an excellent host, and um, I appreciate you for having me on and, and thinking about me for this. I enjoyed myself. And uh, final thoughts to your listeners. Uh, COVID has been tough for everyone. But, uh, you know, honestly, like I always say, I'm a positive guy. You know, just find something every single day that you can smile about and just have that in mind. Find one thing uh, every day that you can, you're appreciative of and, you know, and just stick to that. And if you do that every day, this thing will be, you know, over before you know it. So that's what I try to do every day. I ask myself one thing I'm grateful for. Uh, and then it starts my day off right. And then, you know, you do that over a course of a week, over a course of a month, over a course of a year, you know, be in a better place. So that's, that's one thing I want to leave my, your listeners with. Nice words. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Nate. All right. Take care, Casey. Great stuff. I love this podcast. Thanks so much for listening to How Do You Feel? If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Rate and review the podcast. Those ratings and reviews really do go a long way. I appreciate them all so much. Better yet, share the podcast with a friend or family member that you think would benefit from the messages that we talk about on How Do You Feel? All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. I hope everyone has a great week. And as always, remember, get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.